Uh, I don't know what you guys said. I think you cut out a little bit. Burnt up GI Joes and be like, "This is your kidney." Whenever you've taken too many rock stars. Well, it's a good thing Rich is such an expert editor. Yeah, so I edit out every bad thing say. <laughs> I edit out all our bad takes. So all my takes are are out. Have you ever even listened to it? You don't say anything on the pod. <laughs> Pop, drop, and lock it. Just angry with everybody all the time. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. What's up, Space Cadets? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite fantasy football podcast, the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host, Rish. You can catch me on Twitter at FF underscore Rish. We got Jetpack with us. What's up, Jetpack? Hey, hey. You can catch him on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. Not Galio, as my friend Hot Takes Brooks might call him. What's up, Brooks? Sup, guys? Wow, that's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite from every other intro we've ever done. Brooks is fired tonight. Freaking pump, man. I'm ready to give some hot takes. Drinking green tea all day. I actually have been drinking green tea today, so. Maybe uh, I'll. Uh... Green tea? Yeah, dude, the V8s, man. Dude, you're a big V8 guy. Tell us about V8 so, and how that's changed your life. How, have we ever talked? How, anti, how antioxidized are you? Have we ever talked about why I switched to V8s from my previous options? No, we yeah. haven't. Yeah, we have. a, did we? Yes. Oh, yeah, we talked about I your... We have. I think we've said it like four or five times. Addiction. Yeah, Carla. Well, I do have a caffeine addiction, but for those of you newer listeners, I'll go ahead and retell the story. So my mom is a big Facebook person. She loves social media. She's super nosy. And she gets on Facebook and she finds, you know, those like weird, dumb memes where people will take like burnt up GI Joes and be like, this is your kidney. Whenever you've taken too many rock stars and it's, it's like just a burnt GI Joe. It's not a kidney. Uh, my mom saw enough of those articles that she kept pounding me about it. And like, you got to stop drinking energy drinks. I was also drinking like 16 ounces of energy drinks a day, which is definitely not healthy. A lot. And that's so much. So I stopped drinking them. Uh, but I had a, still had a caffeine addiction because I have to, you know, read for four to eight hours a day because I'm in law school. And so I had to do something. And so I switched over to these V8s. And so V8 is not a sponsor, but if anyone listens is a V8 uh, promoter or worker or works for Campbell or Kraft or whoever owns V8, uh, it's 50% juice and 50 calories. And it's super delicious. And if it's mostly made out of green tea. So I've converted over to those and they're freaking great. This is also, we talked about going straight into the analysis and not into did it again. Stuff. Why did we do that? We always do that. That's all right. Let's uh, let's talk about right, this trade that. So last week we didn't have any trades that went down, but Jetpack and I made a blockbuster trade in our main keeper league. Uh, it's a nine keeper league half point PPR. Uh, I'm the reigning second place, uh, second best first. You know, I, I believe the saying is, if you're not first, first then you're last. last. So I came in last place last year, and um, so I sent I sent George Kittle. And Philip Lindsay, and then Jetpack sent over Travis Kelsey and Kenny Galladay, and that. So if you if you don't know, Jetpack Galileo is a huge Niners fan. Maybe the maybe the biggest home like I'm a big Bears fan, but I don't know if I've met a bigger home team fan than Jetpack. 
So he was really wanted his guy. What an honor. Honestly, I don't know anyone that knows more about their home team than you do. Well, that means a lot. Well, so what we did was I was, um, I've had Travis Kelsey since he was a rookie. And so he's been a big time, you know, huge boon for me and carried me to a couple of championships. And so um, I've always loved Travis Kelsey. I love him this year. Um, I think he'll do really, really well. Um, and I have no questions or doubts about his ability. Um, but I decided to make the trade for George Kittle now because basically Kittle's at a point where he's, I think he's 25. And I really like that age value. And for me, long-term, I want to lock the position down uh, without any questions. And then I liked picking up Lindsay. And uh, Philip Lindsay was a more of what this was about than anything because I want to get a little bit deeper at running back. Um, and I felt like giving away Galladay uh, didn't cost um, all that much for me. And so switching to Kittle and Lindsay, I was plenty happy to do. Um, and although I lo- have loved Travis Kelsey, and I think he'll, he will do better this year, he might have one of the best t- tight end seasons ever, might be giving that away. Um, I'm picking up Kittle for long-term value. I'm locking him in. He's a niner. I love what he's doing with going to be doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but then more importantly, I pick up Philip Lindsay. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, having another RB1 on the team. Well, what it was for me was basically I I had to mortgage some of my first round picks this year. And since it's only nine keepers, I don't have a ton of draft picks. So I needed as much upside as possible going into the year. And my running backs are are decently stacked. I have Zeke, I have Damian Williams, I had Karrion Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Tevin Coleman. So I was really deep at running back. But my wide receivers were not so deep, very, very elite. I have Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Anthony Miller. Uh, I just needed one more wide receiver because I'm not going to be able to draft one in the first round. So getting Kenny Galladay was was really big for me. I have a third wide receiver that I feel really comfortable in if, if I'm not feeling uh, Chicago's offense and Anthony Miller yet. And I get I get a really, really productive uh, tight end. Maybe just like Jetpack said, maybe the the best tight end season of all time coming up. So I, I feel really, really good about my chances and just kind of mortgaging myself until I have uh, some better draft picks. I'm confident in my mid round drafting, but I needed as much upside as possible going into the draft and going into the season because I don't have I don't have the as early picks uh, as I usually do. So um yeah i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked about it what what do you think brooks who do you think wins this trade or or is it pretty even it's pretty even i i, I thought getting kittle was uh I, I was about the age value too so i i would probably go towards the kittle side just because of age but there's you guys neither of you is losing this trade so that's the most important thing i think one thing we can look at is um four tight ends they can play plenty long so travis kelsey i think he's 30 this year he turns 30, um, but he could play another four or five years um, and be just fine. Um, so like when fantasy is about three year window, there's no concern with Kelsey there long-term. Um, so dynasty is still a big buy. Um, but just again, I mean, you can't beat how young Kittle is. He's the youngest, best tight end. So that was pretty important for me. I'm glad I picked him up. I, one thing that was interesting was I went in and I watched uh, four or five games um, on the all 22 just between the two of the guys. And what I saw was Kelsey is the far superior route runner, uh, much better as a receiver and, and uh, like a pretty rare talent in that aspect, the way he moves and um, the way that they can use him to beat man coverage. Um, I thought it was really cool. But uh, what stood out about Kittle was, although he's not the same mover, or the same caliber receiver, 
uh, he was wide open like all the time. Um, and so most of his yards come from huge chunk plays that Shanahan basically schemes in to the offense um, to, to get him open where, you know, he's because Kittle is such a good blocker, he can move him around and, and now he can hide him in different places and turn him into a receiver um, in places where people won't think he'll show up. Um, and so he'll, you know, be wide open for 70 yard touchdowns. Um, so yeah, th- that's the main difference um, that we're looking at between Kelsey and Kittle. Uh, Kelsey can win more frequently in man situations. He's probably the better actual tight end um, as a receiver, but uh, Kittle has that similar upside um, just because the scheme that he's in. This was a hard one for me too, because I drafted George Kittle last year before he broke out and uh, I, I have him in a couple places and giving up the youth was really, really tough for me. Uh, it probably, how, how long did it take me? Like a week and a half? It took weeks. you almost a year. It took me a long time to to do this trade because <laughs> yeah, I've been on you for since you got him. So so this was something that I've been mulling over for a long time, and I, I uh, finally you know enough peer pressure and and the right deal, and uh, finally finally let him go. What do you think about uh, Galladay? What is what's your vision there for him? Well, with Galladay, um, I'm not totally sure who he is yet. But I think he has a ton of upside. So I'm taking because I have two wide receivers that have pretty stable floors, um, assuming they don't get injured. I, I like the Galladay upside because I mean he could he could be a top ten wide receiver. He's got the physical skills to to be a top ten wide receiver. But I mean he could also easily just be a, a wide receiver three. And so I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure who he is yet. I want to believe that with uh, Golden Tate gone, that those those targets that are opened up are are going to be good. I I think he'll be a good long term asset. I think he's twenty four, twenty five, um, so he's he's right about to hit his stride in that AJ Pax, and so you got him for a long time. So I'm really hoping for that that wide receiver one, that low end wide receiver one upside, uh, but. But I'm I'm pretty okay with with the floor. I feel like he can be a, a, a decently consistent starter for me uh, week in and week out if I need him to be. That's all, and that's all I really wanted was some guy that I could I could count on in a bye week or in a flex. You know, if if the matchup's right, I, the, all I needed was was an extra depth piece at wide receiver where I felt comfortable um, and not too thin in my wide receiver core. Yeah, I think if you're playing standard format and you're running, everybody's got to start two running backs, two wide receivers, and one flex, then you only really ever need your wide receiver three to be a fill-in guy. Um, and, I mean, you always want your flex guy to be a running back. So, um, at least target-wise, feeling good about your running backs and then just picking up that wide receiver three, that was a good move. Sleepers. let's get into the meat and potatoes of our show we're going to talk 2019 sleepers so this is a little bit dynasty but we're specifically gearing towards uh who's going to pop in 2019 and who we think uh, some good sleeper targets are for 2019 uh jetpack do you want to start us off with one of your two guys yeah so uh one guy that's stood out to me and we talked a little bit about him last week uh is uh mvs or marquez valdez scantling um, so he's a second year guy, uh, with Rogers and 
I think they're they're starting to to play him as a second string guy behind Devontae Adams, and so um, he'll see the field and all the important snaps with Aaron Rodgers, and that that's why I'm so excited about him. Um, pairing him with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and having him on the field, that's the, the best offense to be in. So uh, the thing that stood out to me that really spoke volumes about this move and why I, I believe in this player is what the Packers did in the draft. Before each draft, we'll list our top five landing spots at each position, and the wide receiver position um, for the Packers looked wide open to me. Like, who's going to be Devontae Adams' backup? Whoever goes there, that's going to be a really great spot. And they didn't draft anybody. And so that was a pretty big surprise, and I think that we're uh, starting to realize why. They're confident in MVS. They like his athletic ability. They like the way that they can use him. Um, and he can be a downfield threat for them in a way that Devontae Adams is not. So Adams is definitely a phenomenal deep threat, um, but he's not a speed guy. And MVS is a 6'4 guy who runs at 4'3'7". Um, so he can threaten downfield. Uh, if he can develop his route running a little bit more, um, he's definitely a guy to keep your eye on. So big fan of MVS. Uh, wherever you're getting him, I think he's like wide receiver 70 or something like that. So, I mean, he might not be that low, but super cheap. And he's I, w- I would take him probably in the like 8th, ninth, 10th round. Um, so big fan of MBS. Um, like, so one thing I'll look at just for his upside is we'll just run through game logs and he's got 200 yard games. And out of all the rookie receivers, there's only like two guys who had more than that. Um, so he had more hundred yard games than Christian Kirk and Cortland Sutton, who both had zero hundred yard games. They're, they're going way ahead. He had more hundred yard games than DJ Moore. So again, like we're talking about high power offense, right? A guy who's a freak athlete, um, and who's just a few steps away. And really it's about volume but a few steps away from becoming, you know, consistently relevant. So I'm excited about him. And obviously the values is perfect. How do you feel about him versus Geronimo? I know we talked about that a little bit last week, but I want to hear how you differentiate him because I think I was doing most of the talking during that comparison. Yeah. So to me, it does not matter if it was Geronimo Allison or Kevin White or whoever, like it could be literally anybody. I don't care. Whoever the Packers say is their wide receiver too, that's who I want. Um, right. And so, like, if, yeah, again, if they said Jerome Allison is a guy, I wouldn't care about Marquez running a 4 3 7 or anything like that, right? But because they said MBS is the guy, now I'm going to pay attention. Um, just watching his game, he's got a lot of work to do with route running and developing different things. Um, one thing I noticed is that they like getting him in on sweeps. Um, and so they'll, they'll use him in the, the slot and they'll sw- swing him around. Um, and so they'll use him in, in different ways that I, I don't think they would with Allison. Um, so there's a little bit of intrigue there. I mean, I know it's a new coordinator and everything like that, but um, at least there's a, a background of using him on screens and different things like that. Um, and what I thought was really funny too is he gets excited and then he like trips and falls. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> he's uh, he seems to be a little bit of a dork when he's running out. He like had a play, I think it was against the Cardinals, where he was on a sweep. And he broke through the hole, great blocking by the other receivers. And there's nobody, he's, he's going to house this. And it's like a 60 yard sweep and he just trips, falls on his face. And you know, it's just a 20 yard game. So I, he's got some things that he's going to work on. I, I imagine. And he's improved. Um, and one, like another thing too, is all you saw last year was the frustration that Aaron Rodgers had just angry with everybody all the time. Um, and and so if, if Rodgers is speaking out about MBS's ability and, and his fit, then 
you know that there's something real there. I definitely think there's a big difference between coach speak and quarterback speak. Yes. So we, we, we're always down on coach speak because it's exaggerated. It's, it's just trying to feed the media what they want to hear because those coaches are obligated to give those press conferences. So they just want to get it, you know, give the, the talking points that the reporters are asking for so they can move on and get home to their families. But with quarterbacks, it's totally different. They have no, I mean, they still have the press interview, but they have no obligation to say those sort of things or speak out again about specific guys. So uh, it's a good thing to hear about somebody like, especially with MBS. So pretty exciting. Before we move on, can we kind of define what a sleeper is so that we can make sure that the listeners at home understand where we're going with it and how we're defining it and how we're categorizing guys? Let's go for it. Brooks, do you wanna do you wanna define what a sleeper is to us? Yeah, so a sleeper a sleeper is someone who has been in the league for a little bit and has either not ever broken out or has seen a very big lull in their fantasy production. So there's there's the the idea of somebody who's never been productive and is then is now going to be productive this year. This is their coming out party, or it's somebody who we think is has seen high production and then kind of been put on the back burner, and we think that they're going to come back stronger than ever. Is that pretty good? Anybody? I think that I think that pretty much pretty much nails it. D- slightly similar to uh, a value, but. Uh... But more it's of, definitely a value. There, there's no doubt a sleeper is a value, but it's also there's a, a difference caveat, between a, a value and a sleeper because a value is just somebody who you're going to get more production than what you're paying. And a sleeper is somebody who uh, has never produced. So we have no baseline for what that production could be. Whereas with a value, uh, so a, a, a sleeper is always in its nature a value, um, but it's kind of a more precise definition that's within the scope of the terminology of value be a subset yeah, of value we're looking for guys like pass around seven those are right. sleepers yeah typically all right Rish, you're up. all right so my first sleeper is uh tight end uh, we were just talking about tight ends with kelsey and galladay but i think vance mcdonald is a, a big sleeper because everyone's kind of trying to figure out who's going to get the different shares of the 168 vacated target targets with ab leaving and not that it's going to be necessarily 168. Uh, the volume of the offense will probably go down a little bit. But uh, you have James Washington. You have Dante Moncrief. You have Deontay Johnson. Um, the first two, I think, are poopy. And uh, I don't think James Washington is very good. Uh, I don't think Dante Moncrief is very good. He's just kind of a contested catch guy that's never really been able to pop. Um, and I think Deontay Johnson's pretty good. But being a rookie, it's difficult to break out. Uh, so I think I think Vance McDonald is is kind of in line for a, a slight target bump there. He's going right around uh, tight end ten, but uh, right now he's uh, in the FFPC drafts. He's going right around uh, pick eighty. Um, so that's still a that's still a good value, and I think he offers top five upside um, on, on any given week because of how high the passing volume is in that offense. Um, he's a he's an above average athlete. He's really good after the catch, and he's got a ton of rapport with Big Ben. And I think that's the big thing coming in is because uh, James Washington was pretty terrible and doesn't have a ton of chemistry with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Dante Moncrief is a new addition. He doesn't have any chemistry with Big Big Ben Roethlisberger yet. 
Um, and Deontay Johnson's a rookie and you can start to build it if you're, if you're good and you can, you can start to get those wide receiver two targets, but he still doesn't have the same rapport as uh, Vance McDonald does. So I think with all of those things, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to look at that, that offense and that, uh, that passing scheme and, and say that Vance isn't going to get a bump in, in targets. And that, that since, you know, he's efficient with a bump in targets, he's going to to absolutely dominate this year. So I think, uh, I think getting him at, at the tight end 10 position is a really good value. Um, and I think he's a guy that, that a lot of people aren't really thinking about when they're thinking about the Pittsburgh offense. It's uh, he, he, he's just, he's just kind of left by the wayside and everyone's, Everyone's trying to figure out which wide receiver is going to be good. So Vance McDonald for 2019, um, not saying he's a lock for top five, but I think on any given week, he's got top five upside because of the offense he's in. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I'm totally down for that. So the biggest reason to like him is actually Jesse James leaving. Jesse James was kind of that guy who would have like a hundred yard game every once in a while. And that would be it. <laughs> like he had a really good game in week two and then you'd never hear from him again. Uh, but now Vance will get all those targets. So um, I think Jesse James had 30 catches last year, and um, so Vance could probably pick up an extra 20, 25. Which would be huge. I think, uh, what did he have he had last 50, year? He was 50 receptions, 610 yards for four touchdowns last year. It's 73 targets. So, I mean, you could you can easily put him right up near 100 targets, and I don't think that's out of the question. All right, Brooks, you want to take us to one of your sleepers? Yeah, sure. So my other uh, my other sleeper is Tevin Coleman. Right now he is RB twenty nine, and he's kind of been thrown to the wayside ever since uh, he's ever since Sarkeesian took over in Atlanta. His usage just wasn't it wasn't poor, but it wasn't the same. Uh, back in twenty seven or twenty sixteen, he was splitting time with Devonta Freeman, and he was a solid RB two with fourteen point seven points per game. So one of the things that is really nice about him as he goes into San Francisco is that even if he does end up splitting time with McKinnon, you can still expect solid RB2 numbers out of him. However, I think he's going to end up being the premier RB for the Niners. I, I don't, all the early reports from like Rotoball or from some of the Niners beat reporters are saying that he's going to be the starter um, I don't think a lot of people are saying that it's a very crowded backfield. I don't think it's as crowded as people make it seem because it's, I don't think that any of those guys are any, anything special. I think Coleman's certainly better than, uh, Breda. Uh, who else is back there, Ben? McKinnon, Mostert. Well, yeah, McKinnon Jeff for Wilson. sure. Mostert is the other one I was thinking. So yeah. Mostert uh, would be a special teams guy. So I, I don't see how those, and any of those two guys compete with McKinnon and Coleman. So, I don't think it's as crowded as everybody keeps saying it's going to be. I think that the passing offense with uh, uh, Jimmy coming back, with uh, the additions to the receiving core, and with Pettis still there, I think, and Kittle, I think that there's going to be enough downfield threats that you're going to have some versatility within the offense, and it's going to open up some run lanes, going to give more opportunities. And I don't know if McKinnon's going to be the same. First of all, McKinnon, I. I don't think McKinnon's ever been ever shown to be elite. Even whenever he was at Minnesota, he wasn't like a high, high end RB one. I mean, he he's and it took him forever to de- to develop. So it's not like we we know for sure that McKinnon is an asset. I think he's very risky, as a matter of fact. However, we do know that 
Coleman has been an, uh, an asset whenever he's even been in an RB2 position on his own team. So imagine if he's getting the entirety of the or a higher majority of the workload. So even if he does end up splitting with McKinnon, which I think is totally possible and probably likely, uh, you should still be expecting to see the same types of numbers that he had whenever he was with Freeman, um, whenever they were at the Falcons, which is a solid RB2 floor. So the good thing I like about him is that I think he has a very stable RB2 floor, but he also has a legitimate potential for a low-end RB1. Uh, and, and you can see that he's, even if you look back at like Carlos Hyde, for example, in 2017 with, with the Shanahan offense, it's, he was averaging 14.6 points per game. So as long as you're having really, really solid like 14, 13, 15 points per game, like you're, you're getting a lot out of a guy that, you know, you're drafting as your RB3, potentially RB4 that late in the uh, RB at RB29. So that, that's like eighth, ninth, maybe 10th round if you're lucky. If you fall, I don't think he'll fall that far. So I, I don't know. I, I think you can expect to see about 40 targets per game. It's about 32 receptions, eight to 12 40 targets per game, 40 targets on the season. So that's two per game, 32 receptions on the season, eight to 12 season. Thank you for call, calling me out on that. Uh, 8 to 12 uh, touchdowns on the season and about six to 900 rushing yards, just based on what he did whenever he used with the Falcons and what the Niners have done historically with Shanahan at the, at the helm. So that, that for sure, at a minimum, is going to be putting you at a very stable RB2 floor. And Coleman's never been bad. Uh, there's never been a season where Coleman's been highly disappointing. So I think he's a very safe play and he's somebody that I think is being slept on for sure. I think the thing that you you can really see uh so when when shanahan left and sarkeesian took over you saw that the running styles changed and so when um when kyle shanahan was calling the plays they're doing a lot of outside zones and they're giving tevin coleman a lot of space to run and that's kind of how he he is he's a one cut kind of guy he's not he's not super shifty he's not a great between the tackles runner um, so I think that's that's a little bit more of what you're going to see. You're going to see someone that that has the offense um, adapt a little bit to him and and kind of have the the running style at him, let him ex, uh, excel and succeed in his running style rather than trying to make him fit the running style that you want him to have. Uh, so I think I think that's a big boost. It was it was a big thing that I noticed when um, when the offensive coordinator changed and uh it, the 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 difference in run plays was dramatic so i'm i'm excited about uh tevin this season uh the other guys in the backfield are a little little uh nerve-wracking for me but again at the, at his value you're even if he's the number two running back on that team you're going to get you're going to get a, an rb2 a, a low-end rb2 so i think i think you're exactly right he's uh he's got a high floor because um, you've seen him produce RB2 numbers as the number two running back on his team. Yeah, I think it's important, too, for reference, right? That 14.7 PPR points per game, that's a great number. So it's RB9, 15, I believe. Yeah, well, 15.0 is the threshold cutoff for RB1. That's like the average of the top 12 running backs over the last 10 years. It gets cut off at about 15. So um, in some formats, that'll 14.7 will sneak you into that, that RB1 category. So. Um, that, I mean, that's a beautiful number to get um, for RB29. Pack, take us into your next sleeper. Yeah, so my guy's uh, Darren Waller. And so he is with the Raiders now. 
and he's the starting tight end. And similar to what we saw with MBS is a, is the same question of, okay, what are the Raiders going to do a tight end now? Maybe they address it in the draft. It's a decent tight end draft, and um, they picked up nobody. So Darren Waller was on the season uh, on the team last year. He played four games with them behind Jared Cook, and then now Jared Cook's gone, and I think he steps right into the Jared Cook role. So like Jared Cook, he's a four-four um, t- speed guy, um, big guy, six-six, um, who played over in Georgia Tech and was among the you know big name wideouts coming from Georgia Tech. He was probably the least talented, um, but. Seeing him turn into a tight end is probably what most people envisioned when they were watching him um, play at Georgia Tech. So um, now we're finally at an interesting point in his career uh, where he might bring on some value. Uh, So Darren Waller was suspended um, all of 2017 for substance abuse and then started playing again last year. And so that's kind of why he's flown under the radar besides not doing anything up to this point. Um, But now that he's in a spot where they're definitely going to use him and they're raving about him and they're talking about how much confidence they have in him. Um, I'm excited for him in that spot with the Raiders. So past uh, target shares for Raiders tight ends is about 15%, um, which gets you about 90 targets. And so that's a phenomenal thing to be. And that that offense can feed um, Amari Cooper or Antonio Brown or whoever it is as your wide receiver one in terms of volume, and then also can hold at least one more um, fantasy-relevant option. And so we'll see that with the 90 targets that we can expect for or have a target as for Darren Waller. So, I mean, players that had more than 90 targets at tight end last year, Ertz, Kelsey, Kittle, Ebron, that's it. Um, So the volume is there, um, and he costs you basically nothing. So he's like the perfect backup tight end to pick up. Um, Totally rolling my dice on Darren Waller. I think uh I think especially in tight end premium leagues you can take you can you can take a risk on uh Darren Waller and, and take that shot on him because he'll with the with the the bumps in in points he'll have more production than some of these wide receivers so uh getting you can easily get him as your tight end 2 or 3 and and get the the low end tight end one upside uh with his with his volume alone so I think I think he's a, a slam dunk. I've seen him go, I don't know, like twelfth round and later in in a lot of these drafts. People are starting to get a little bit uh, privy to him, but but I, I think he's, he's still an excellent value. Is he? Yeah, I mean he's got to be. There's, I've seen I've yeah. seen a couple I've seen a couple drafts where where people are very very high on him and and he's gone a little bit earlier. But yes, but yeah, he's yeah. The, the dart throw you take when you're taking your kickers. How how do you guys feel about him? Because the so the Jared Cook role was Sands Antonio Brown Sands Tyrell Williams. So how much does that receiving core landscape affect the tight end production in that Raiders offense? Yeah, so I look back to it. when they had Amari Cooper, right? Um, and they had like Michael Rivera. Michael Rivera had ninety targets too, right? So um, Derek Carr will throw to the tight end enough to where I'm confident in that spot. Um, Again, when we're talking tight end, whatever, we're not expecting him to be top five or anything like that. We're expecting him to have value and bring value as a backup, um, cover your bye weeks, maybe have a couple solid games. Um, So for that, for the price and and where we're at there, he's as good as anybody else you'll find behind tight end 20, right? 
you take him or Mark Andrews? Um, I'll take Darren Waller at the cost. Think yeah, the the cost you, differential is pretty big. Yeah, it's huge. If you if you had a choice just just between the two, there's no no cost differential. You're just like you want this guy on your team or this guy. Who do you take, Mark Andrews or Darren Waller? Which do you prefer? I'll, I'll take Mark Andrews. By you, Brooks. Yeah, I mean the draft capital uh, speaks for itself too, and not having to deal with any off field issues. I'm tempted there with uh, with the the. 90 targets for the tight ends in Oakland. I might lean Darren Waller there, but I, I think, I, I think, think in those repeats. two guys, it's close. I, I just don't think that repeats with Antonio Brown. Let's see, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, so my next guy is a guy that's, he's broken out before and he's been usable. He's actually been, um, in my, my keeper league, the oldest league that I have. Uh, he's the only guy that I have from the original draft still. And he's been solid for me for years. He's been a, a, a wide receiver too. He's touched the wide receiver one, uh, plenty of weeks for me. And that's golden Tate. So golden Tate is 31 years old and he showed last year that he's still got it. He's uh, he'll be 31 when the season starts. And last year he was excellent in the beginning of the season. He was like wide receiver 11 for a little while, I think. Um, and he he got traded. And so right now you're getting him with the age, the 31 year old discount, and with the Philly trade discount. So people are kind of low on him because uh because he was traded you didn't see a ton of production the entire season last year so you, you just glance at his stats and it's not awe-inspiring um and then you're also you're also looking at uh eli manning and daniel jones um so i think he was a safety valve for matt stafford and you know that eli and daniel jones will need a, a safety valve underneath uh, and he's going to get open. He's excellent at that. And I think I think you have the uh, the confidence. Uh, you'll have the confidence of Eli and Daniel Jones in Golden Tate to to be open and be there when when they need it. And uh, so I think he'll get a, a good amount of targets in Detroit. He averaged ten targets a game, uh, three points or six point three catches per game, seventy four yards per game um, for for last season. So I think he's. I mean, he showed he's definitely still got it. He can definitely demand uh high targets he's uh he was 11th in the yards after the catch last year so i mean he's still a very good player that offense is just kind of devoid of of targets right now you don't really know what's going to happen it's there's some talented guys in evan ingram and sterling shepherd but he's being drafted in the 10th round right now in uh, ffpc leagues and he's he's going as like the wide receiver 40 something and I, I mean, for a guy that's consistently shown he's been in the 20s and the teens, I think that's an absolute like people are absolutely sleeping on him because of what happened last year and because um, you have bad quarterback play. So, I, yeah, I think even with bad quarterback play, he was he was excellent for Matt Stafford. Yeah, there's no reason to not like Golden Tate besides that it's a boring pick. It's a boring Which, pick. Uh, I mean, there are there. I think there's. Uh, he's literally entering the same role as, uh, as Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. Uh, he's. It's not clear whether or not he's going to be receiving passes from Eli or Daniel Jones for the majority of the season. Hopefully, it's Eli. But even if it is, that's not exactly a lucrative 
person and there's no outside receiver like OBJ to really take away the pressure on the interior. So he'll play outside. He can play outside. And so I think what you've seen with Golden Tate his entire career is he's been successful when he's the only guy. When he's the number one wide receiver, he's been successful. Like last year, he was the number one guy. When he was in, uh, when he was in Seattle, he was he was the guy there. And so you've seen him kind of take that wide receiver one role and and have success and have an offense be decently successful, um, working around him and having him be the main guy. So. I think, I mean, I, I think you could easily see him being the, the team leader in targets this year, and I, I don't think that would surprise me at all. Yeah, oh, so I'm like ballpark, I'm thinking 900 yards and nine touchdowns. Be excellent. For for the wide receiver 40 price, that's that's yeah. that's incredible. I, it's people, I think people are, are also getting caught in the, the dynasty mindset where you see that he's 31 years old and you kind of expect this drop-off. But his style of play isn't one where it, it requires him to beat people with speed. He, he's a technician and he's a great route runner. And that's that's where he excels. And he's going to continue to do that. Um, I, I just think he's I think he's going to be phenomenal. And I don't think people are giving him credit for that. Maybe phenomenal is a strong word. I think he's going to be good this year and he's not getting that credit. Does that sound better? Sounds great, Rich. <laughs> Let's get your let's get your last guy brooks bring us home ben was talking earlier about a really fast receiver marquez valdez scantling so scantling ran 437 very very fast so we're going to go back to 2015 when this guy kevin white ran a 435 at the nfl combine he was given by nfl.com he was given a, a grade of 6.95 which is an elite elite grade anything over six is really good so getting close to seven is is elite. His NFL comparison was DeAndre Hopkins, and he was coming off of having 109 receptions for 1,447 yards with pretty impressive performances against OU and Alabama, both of which were top-ranked that season. And he ends up getting picked by the Bears at 107, and he comes in the league, and he has a shin injury, uh, stress fracture in his fibula. He's not able to play 2015. 2016, he has a re-injury uh, spiral fracture this time, so it's not a stress fracture. It's, it's actually caused by uh, force, trauma, uh, and so he's not able to play 2016 with similar injury. In 2017, he ends up having a, a shoulder scapula fracture. So he's had three broken, like two of them were the same injury, and then one of them is a, is a shoulder. So first of all, the first concern is that he's injury prone. That's probably true, but these are all like, pretty recoverable injuries none of these are injuries like acl joints types of muscles nothing like that is typically recurring uh and i think i think what you're looking at is a guy that's more breakable than my grandma's fine china good one anyways 2018 trubisky (laughs) comes in and Nagy gets brought in so they get rid of john fox they house they no longer have mike glennon and jay color and so they bring in Trubisky and they're trying to phase him out. They get him out. They needed to get him off of his contract anyways because he was getting way overpaid considering he'd never even done anything really for the team. So you're looking at a guy who's really not – he's been on the roster. He's been training and everything, but he hasn't played since his rookie year. So what that looks like for me, now typically I would just say he's a total bust. He's not going to have any opportunities anywhere. Forget about him. But – Coming into 2019, he gets into the Cardinals offense with Cliff Kingsbury. 
And if you guys haven't seen it, I did a write-up on Cliff Kingsbury's offense while attack. It's all on our website, www.ffastronauts.com. If you go into articles, pull up my name, it's on there. It's really good. So it'll give you a, a really precise explanation of everything that the, that Kingsbury did while he was at Texas Tech. And what we can know with all a sh- without a shadow of a doubt is that at a minimum that the Cardinals are going to run or going to pass 60% of the time, run 40% of the time at a minimum. I, I think it'll be higher than that, but their, their defense is so poor and they made no adjustments to it in the draft that I don't see any way around it. So we also know that they're going to run a lot of 10 personnel. That's four wide receiver sets. And I don't think they're going to run a lot of tight end use because they have some pretty decent receivers and their tight ends aren't anything special. So what we're looking at is, is an opportunity for at least one, maybe two decent receivers and even a potentially a third wide receiver three for fantasy purposes. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that you're going to see at least one wide receiver two, potentially two wide receiver twos and a wide, wide receiver three out of the Cardinals offense. And so for Kevin White, what that looks like, he's going to be an exterior guy. He's a pretty fast guy. He's an outside guy. He can, he's able, he's kind of like, um, if for those of you that are more current with guys that are coming into the draft, he, he has a similar style to Paris Campbell. He's very fast. He's able to take, once he gets the ball, he's able to take off. He has a lot of speed, a lot of acceleration. Uh, really good in space. So Fitzgerald, he's going to be an inside guy. Don't have to worry about him. I expect him to be on the outside. Kirk uh, is going to be also on the inside. He's a slot guy. So Andy Isabella, I, I think Isabella is better, better receiver. He's an X type of guy. I think that he'll be used on the outside. Personally, he could be used in either one. Uh, I expect him to be on the outside though. And he's going to be a, a burner. Uh, then you have Chad Williams, who's still on the roster. I don't think that Chad is going to be really that relevant. So I think that he can beat out Chad Williams. Uh, Hakeem Butler. Now Hakeem has intangibles. He's a, I mean, I think Kevin White is six, three and Hakeem is like six, six. He's a total, um, now he, he's had problems. Or he's been kind of looked down upon by the beat reporters because he's had trouble, uh, getting off blo- uh, press coverage. And I also think that he does a really poor job of blocking. Um, so I, I don't know how much, whether or not he's going to see an opportunity, but the big person that the beat reporters have been on and everybody on Twitter and Reddit have been on is Keyshawn Johnson. Now Keyshawn Johnson's interesting because he's going to be, he could be using either one and he has a very similar skill set to Kevin White. So I think the, the big question mark is, I think that Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella are pretty much locks for the first three spots. So I think it's going to be between uh, Kevin White, Keyshawn Johnson, and Hakeem Butler to be able to get that that last uh, wide receiver spot in those 10 personnel packages. And so what we're looking at is which one of those two will win out. I, I'm not projecting per se for Kevin White to be able to do it, but and we'll know by the time that you're drafting for most redraft leagues. But if he is able to get into that, then he's going to have a legitimate potential for wide receiver three, and you're not going to be spending anything. You're not, he's not going to cost you anything. You could go pick him up off of waivers right now in a lot of dynasty leagues. So I like that value. I like that opportunity. And um, I, I think that there's potential there for a really, really high quality receiver in Kevin White. Oh, that, I mean, so your, your <laughs> breakdown of it all is, is really good, but I, just just having watched him for however many years he was in Chicago and and seeing how watched him uh, win like when did he play well when he did play and and the fact that he could not beat out guys when when they brought in Matt Nagy the fact that they that he couldn't beat out anybody and and he couldn't see the field was 
just it, it was just difficult. So I think the fact that there are a lot of rookies there uh, gives him adv- an advantage. Um, and but it's just it's just hard for me to see him being super relevant. That being said, I I have him in one league. I, I picked him up off waivers in one league. I can guarantee he's on waivers in every other league that I'm in right now, unless you got him in one Brooks. Well, he's a deep sleeper. I'm not calling for him to be, you know, breakout wide receiver star of the Cardinals. That's that's not. I literally just said that Fitz, Kirk, Isabella, all uh, I think are locked in as better receivers and locked into the three spots in that 10 personnel package. So he has to beat out Keyshawn or Hakeem, and I, I think he can do it. I, I don't know that he will. I, I he probably will end up with some random freakish injury. He'll probably break his pinky finger now and be out for the season. But I think that the talent has been shown, especially in college and with his grades and uh, scouting grade and with his 40s, like he, he has all the intangibles. Now, the question is whether or not he can convert that into something that's tangible on the field and get some playing time. I, I don't know if he can or not, but that's why it's a deep sleeper. Yeah, this is a deep space sleeper. Like Kevin White is the Pluto of sleepers. Like, is he a planet? Is are we gonna even acknowledge? Maybe, maybe not. You know, does he qualify? Nah, I don't know. He's a little deeper than you know, like Golden Tate, I guess. Yeah, a little bit deeper. A little deeper. <laughs> it's called sarcasm, Rish. Okay. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show. So, I mean, I, I like your analysis and, and saying, okay, we got the cards, they're high volume, we want a receiver from there, I'm on board. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, like, yeah. selling the farm. Not pounding the table for this guy. Right. But it's somebody that I think that is a safe stash and has, a, has potential for being relevant. A little bit of upside, zero risk at all. Zero risk. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Zero, zero risk except for his own body. Well, He's putting his body out there <laughs> on the line every day so that Brooks can be right. I also don't think he's anything like Paris Campbell, but that doesn't matter. So let's move into some this or that. We'll finish up here. Um, tried to pick guys this week that are similar in ADP and... Uh, just kind of similar players to see what, well, not necessarily play style, but at least as far as fantasy production. So let's see what you guys think. This or that, Mike Evans or Michael Thomas? Mm, give me Michael Thomas here. Ooh, long pause there for you. Was that yeah. a tough choice? It was a tough choice, but I'll go with uh, Michael, not Mike. Um, Mike Thomas, the isn't he on the Rams or something? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but Michael Thomas uh, of the New Orleans Saints, I think he's he's the unanimous choice, I would assume. Um, and that's the way he's being drafted. Um, so, I, yeah. What it's hard to say? argue. It's hard <laughs> it's to hard. argue with uh, yeah. with a guy that that has like the most receptions or third most receptions ever in his first three years, something ridiculous like that um, or targets. I don't, I don't remember what it is. Yeah. The consistency is so robust. He's right. the guy you want. And then yeah. they don't play any teams that can guard him. He's he has the highest success rate against man coverage in the NFL, uh, per Matt Harmon's um 
what's the wide receiver thing? Reception, perception. Reception, perception. Oh, man. Ben. Gosh, I could not remember. You guys always give me so much crap. I can't. I could not remember that. what the heck that was called for some I reason. I miss you, idiot. <laughs> Dang it. How did, uh, why am I so bad at that stuff? Yeah, I, I think, go Michael Thomas, too. Michael I, Thomas, yeah. I, I think there's just no other receivers in uh, New Orleans and – even in, I, I'm pretty excited about the revamped Tampa Bay offense, but it's just like you're talking about the consistency. I have no concerns whether or not Michael Thomas's role changes with a new coach staff. And not that I think Mike Evans is going to change that much, but there are other receivers and there's really not anybody else of relevance to overtaking his target share, uh, Michael Thomas's target share. So go Michael Thomas as well. And I think the fact that he is so successful against man coverage um, and, and that he is such a smart wide receiver, he can get open against zone as well. Just kind of shows that even if Drew Brees retires soon, he's still going to have sex. Six, oh, he's going to have sex. I have a <laughs> marriage, marriage brain. Wow. <laughs> he's uh, so Michael Thomas is still going to have success regardless of who is across from him. And so whatever whatever quarterback ends up in New Orleans next, they're going to throw the ball to Michael Thomas because he's going to be open constantly. So I think um I think that he's it's hard it's hard to say that a wide receiver is quarterback proof, but I think if you're having that much success against against uh defensive backs, you can be quarterback proof because you're always going to be open. Say you. Anything? Any final no, thoughts? No, I agree. Still love Mike Evans though, man. Yeah, Ben. I, I knew Jetpack's a, a big Mike Evans guy, and I thought maybe I could tempt Brooks with the Drew Brees potential of retiring after a season or two, but no dice there. All right, the next one. These guys are are pretty close in ADP right now. Tyler Lockett or Mike Williams? Uh, Mike Williams. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. What do you think, Brooks? I actually go Tyler Lockett here. Go Tyler Lockett too. Why do you pick I'll Tyler go off Lockett, first. Brooks? Um, so Doug Baldwin retiring is a big thing. Uh, it's also their offense. While it's not as pass heavy as the Chargers, it's he's the clear wide receiver one. And with the Chargers offense, I I think that you're going to be seeing Mike Mike Williams is mo is going to be scoring touchdowns, which is great. He's going to see a lot of spikes in production. And with Tyler Lockett, you're going to see a lot more consistency. Uh, I also like, I mean, think about the the defenses that you're going to be facing as Seahawks. I mean, you'd play the Cardinals twice. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to be the, by far the worst defense in the league. So got, how has how he played against Patrick Peterson? Do you know? No, I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> how has he played against Richard Sherman? Do you know? Those are, I have those no are big name cornerbacks. So. Okay. And then we're talking about Rams, so that that's a terrible division. I mean, I all right. So who uh, who's Mike Williams guy? He's got Mike Chiefs, Williams gets to play got... against the Raiders and the Chiefs. Are you kidding me? No competition. Uh, I, I just go, I definitely go Tyler Lockett as well, though. Brooks, finish up your thought. I I just don't think like. I mean, you're not wrong. I I still think the whole defense as a whole is gonna suck. So it's like. You're gonna have high like think about this. Car, even even if you're talking about the uh, match not matching up well against Cardinals, so what? I mean, they're gonna be passing the ball. Nine, they want to get ninety plays in a game, even if they're doing outstanding coverage on him. They're gonna to have to be pl- 
playing a high volume offense there. So they're going to be getting a lot of opportunities to score just as much as the Cardinals are. And they're going to have to be throwing the ball, just sling it out to keep up. So I, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily agree. Even if there are great corners, like Sherman's still solid. You got to play them twice. I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not that worried. I still think Tyler Lockett's pretty good. So I think, I think what you're looking at with Tyler Lockett is a, a poor man's Tyreek Hill. You're looking at a guy that, oh, uh, that, no. that, yeah, you, no, you're looking you at a guy that on Twitter. You just read that. From oh, I did. Now. And then I loved it. I, no, I did. Stupid. And I've been, it's, so no, dumb. it's not, it's, it's not ridiculous. I, why? I don't agree with it either, but Thank you. why don't you agree with it? <laughs> why don't you agree with it? They, they put him all over the place. Fast guy, very versatile. And he's, he's going to be the, the wide receiver one there. Like, like Brooks says, I think, I think the way they want to use Tyler Lockett is going to be similar to how they want to use Tyreek Hill um in the chiefs offense i think they're going to want to send him on the sweeps I, they're going to they're gonna they're gonna target him a ton and he's he's got the big playability um he's he's very good in uh and with the deep balls he has very very high uh deep ball uh catch rate and so um i think you're looking at a guy that that is the wide receiver one for a team and and nine times out of ten i'm going to take the wide receiver one for a team over the wide receiver two for a team especially when that wide receiver two is touchdown dependent and like, sure, there's a lot of vacated targets there for um, Mike Williams, but I'm, I'm still seeing him as just kind of this unproven guy, whereas you've seen Tyler Lockett do it a couple times now. Um, so I'm, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Tyler Lockett, the number one wide receiver for the Seahawks. And why do you like Mike Williams? I like Mike Williams because they actually want to throw the ball. I like Mike Williams because he's better in the red zone. I like Mike Williams because uh, he's definitely a better receiver in real life. So those are good reasons. <laughs> Is he a better receiver in real life? No, I, I don't actually know. They're totally different guys. They're very different. They're, they're super, super different. <laughs> Completely different. I'm I'm a sucker for the big receiver guy. Um, and so, like, touchdowns are a huge deal to me. And my, I think Mike Williams can keep up those double-digit touchdown levels. I, I think he's plenty good. Um, he's developing into his role. He's a first-round pick. Um, and Phil loves to sling it. So, I mean, Phil has how many years on his contract? Uh, I don't know. One? Probably two. They might have just resigned him. I don't know. He's got lots of kids to feed. So he does have lots of kids to feed. He's, he also he's, used, to, he's used to he's used to feeding lots of mouths, and so the whole Mike Williams thing. I've <laughs> that's got your best no argument. That's you. the best. Yeah. That's the best point you made. Yeah, in well, my opinion, Russell Wilson. I mean, who knows? Do they? I mean, are they going to throw the ball? Absolutely. And what about his contract year? By the way, he's thirty nine. He's in his contract year. What about uh, DK Metcalf? What do you guys think of him? I'm excited for him. I don't, I don't have him anywhere because he went before I was willing to spend up for the risk, but I don't think he's going to challenge Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett's a better football player, but I think, I mean, give DK a, a year or two to, to get used to some route running. And, and I think, I think you can, uh, you can have a, a really high upside guy there. I still want Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett's a guy that, that everyone was really excited about uh, coming out of college and, he's now finally in that wide receiver one role for his team. I think 
Pooh. I don't. Mm. DK. Yeah. And do, do you want? Did you want? You know, DJ Moore. Is that somebody you wanted? Were you excited about him going to the Panthers? Yeah. No. <laughs> You're not going to get excited <laughs> about the same type of athlete going to <laughs> the same type of offense. Uh, so no, no, not interested. Okay. DJ Moore is more like Tyler Rocket. So that's not a good example. But the the deal with DK Metcalf is I believe in who he could have been with another quarterback, but in this offense, not excited. So it's not the quarterback, it's the play calling. Yeah, it's it was the structure. Yeah, right. Russell Wilson actually had a pretty good quarterback for him because you can run around in the in the backfield and then throw it deep. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, if if he was on the Packers, man, that'd be yeah. amazing. Oh I'd yeah, be all over that. Because Aaron Rodgers is gonna make him good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last one here. This one, this one, I think probably gonna go fifty. Well, I, we can't go fifty fifty. It's three of us. Math, math's hard, guys. <laughs> um, Carrie and John. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Dave. Karrion Johnson or Darius Geis? This is going to be an interesting response from Jetpack here. Yeah, it's actually a really big one for Jetpack. Let's make you go first. I will go with Darius Geis. We're talking dynasty football, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah, Darius Geis for sure. You just want the guy that's not going to get beat out by... C.J. Anderson. Are you kidding if like if if CJ Anderson was on the Washington Redskins and not Adrian Peterson, I would probably go carry on Johnson. But because CJ Anderson is on the Lions, I avoid at all costs. So the, the analysis here for me is they've shown that the Lions want to do a committee and the Redskins showed that they don't really want to do a full committee that they're willing to just put Thompson in on passing plays and they'll have a uh, two or three down back and someone else. Adrian Peterson had how many carries in one game? Like 30 carries in one game, I think, at one point oh, yeah. in the last season. So I think if you can get that kind of workload out of Darius Geis, you're going to be pretty excited. So uh, carry on will never have that those type of games because that's not what they want to do structurally for the Lions. And so the ceiling is capped. So I'll take the higher ceiling play with Darius Geis. Ooh. Oh, I didn't see that coming, actually. I like I, that. I thought Brooks was gonna go with. Uh, I thought Brooks was gonna go with Carrion. It's so hard because I am a classic rock fan. So anytime you're dealing with Carrion, it's like oh, I want to jam out. But I, but, but. I, I hold my tongue. Yeah, uh, like to me, Darius Geis is basically Ezekiel Elliott if he ended up on the totally wrong team and he had to compete with a bunch of guys who didn't know what they were. Like a bunch of coaches who didn't know what they were doing, and we're going to put other receivers in on third down. I heard another podcast say that they thought that Zeke was the best all-around running back in the NFL, better than Saquon Barkley. And I thought that was one of the most stupidest statements I have ever heard. And it was a major podcast. And I was like, can you imagine if you gave the offensive line that Zeke has to Saquon Barkley, how successful he would be? But one on the Rams. You know how successful he would be? What a disgrace. Like, who? I I get Zeke is good. Don't get me wrong. Zeke's very good. But Saquon is there. There's there's an elite tier and then there's a Saquon tier. 
He's his uh, own. Yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll say it now. Saquon Barkley is the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. Whoa, yeah, probably. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I agree too. That's it, it's like there's never been someone who's had this much production with this terrible of an offensive line. Well, except Barry. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Barry. <laughs> you're talking about your you're, you're that's I mean, the competition getting, though. Yeah. He's getting that's compared the only, to that's the only person. I, I can't think of anyone else. Yeah. He's, he's a better he's a better receiver than Barry though. Yeah. I uh I wanted to go Karrion Johnson. And as I was thinking about this this question, I remembered watching Darius Geis um and his last play that he tore his ACL on. And I remember thinking, man, this guy's the truth. And so I gotta go Darius Geis here. I, Whoa. I changed my mind. I as I wrote the two out, I was like, Yeah, it's for sure Karrion Johnson for me. And I it's it's hard to it's hard with the recency bias and i think i think for this year it'll be carry on um but i think for dynasty you get darius guys younger a little less beat up and hopefully in an offense that's going to ascend they're completely rebuilding that offense and uh so i think i think you get carry on for 2019 and i, I don't think i don't think that'll necessarily be super close but i think i think long term i'm I'm gonna go darius geis as well because oh, you gotta yeah. think I mean, without a doubt darius geis is not the guy to own this year i do it, not it, want darius geis this year but if, in the future if he, he, I mean, he'll be i think he's 22 turns 22 this year which i mean he's younger than <laughs> phil Brooks by like five years which is, maybe, I mean, maybe he should have been a sleeper i guess it would be next year you're saying next, next year, year he'll be a sleeper yeah so, so the the thing you also have to look at is how old Chris Thompson is. He's like twenty nine or thirty. Yeah, AP is super old as well. Um, AP's thirty three, I think. Yeah, and, and so you have you have Karrion Johnson, who's got uh, a younger guys competing with him, guys that that have beat out um, Todd Gurley in the past, and maybe Karrion makes it through this year alive. And I think he actually will have some decent success this year, uh, but. Yeah, I think I think Darius Geis, you're looking at at 2020 and and thinking, man, this guy's this guy's got a chance to be something really special in 2020. And I will say too, I maybe I'm more uh, I think more highly of him. I think that he can win out the job this year. I think he can beat out um, age old Adrian Peterson hobbling around, truck sticking people. I, I absolutely think he will. Yeah, I, it's just going to be later on. It's going to be so. It's going to be too late in the season for him to be a fantasy asset at his, I don't know how much his price is right now, but I, I don't, I think it'll take too long for him to take over for it to right. be true value. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to, they're going to want to ease him back in a little bit. Cause he's never, he's never played in the NFL before. And, and so why, why like waste tread on your, your shiny new cars, tires that, uh, that just got repaired, just coming out of the shop when you have <laughs> your old, your old trusty beat up, whatever 1952 ford f-150 yeah and, and you could just ride that into the dirt a little bit and ease your new lamborghini onto the streets so so you don't put uh you, you don't injure it right away so i i think yeah i think i think darius guys gets eased into the offense a bit pretty sure so, that the f-150 wasn't a model in the 1950s so whoever that one car truther is out there that's just like oh i'm sorry don't so, actually know uh, cars here. This isn't a car podcast. Yeah. This is a football podcast. We're pretty garbage at cars. And ro- we know rockets. So a space podcast. 
Uh, three for three for Darius Geis. That's pretty good for 50-50. Yeah, you predicted sure. a, it's at least double. Yeah, based Wait, on my okay. math, it's at least got... double my initial prediction. So do we go final one for you? You ready? Yeah. Tyler Lockett or Carry On Johnson. Whenever you go across, whenever you go across uh, positions, it comes down a little bit to. Um, it comes down a little bit to what your team makeup is and how strong you are in other areas. Like if, if in our league right, where hey, we just made you know, that trade, let's answer the question. <laughs> all right. In in our league where we just made that, that, that trade where I got Kenny Galladay, I would have taken, I would have taken Tyler Lockett over Kenny Galladay or I mean, take Tyler Lockett over, uh, Karrion Johnson. But I think with the way run with the importance running backs have, I'll probably go carrying Johnson over Tyler Lockett because I think they're uh, they're a little more stable um, and and they have higher floors week to week. I would go Tyler Lockett. Uh, I I think that you're going to see a lot of stability there for, out of him and his production because most of their passing game is going to go through him. So, can we carry on? I think the positional importance of, of running back is is really high and having that extra guy you can you're you're gonna you'll be able to fill in places where with with uh, a wide receiver that you won't necessarily be able to fill in with a running back, uh, like a backup running back. So I think I think positional importance running back is is enough for me to go carry on there, even though I think Tyler Lockett might might have like a longer career or whatever. Pop, drop, and lock it. All right, so Jacoby Brissett asked a space fact today, and I figured we could answer it. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, I'm all about it. Definitely. Got to help a guy out. That's why we're astrophysicists. <laughs> yeah, we're all astrophysicists, and we're, like, we really need to help the Flat Earthers and Jacoby Brissett out. So... Well, Jacoby literally asked us. He, yeah, yeah, he, he tweeted at he us, us at at FF Astronauts. Right. If the sun is hot, how is outer space cold? And so, I first of all, we can answer this, but you read the you read the question, the uh, comments, and the replies there, and it's it's gold. Whenever you get one of these tweets, you know that that it's just going to be an absolutely incredible thread. Right. Anyway, okay, whatever. So, if the sun is hot, how is outer space cold? That's the question from Jacoby Brissett to the fantasy football astronauts specifically. Um, and the answer is um, because when we talk about temperature, we're really talking about the um, motion of molecules, um, those the tiny building blocks of, of matter. And so, um, the more energetically the molecules move, the higher the temperature. Um, and so there aren't as many molecules in space as there are on Earth, like in the Earth's atmosphere. And so there's less energy in outer space. Um, and, and so because there's less movement of the molecules, there's there's less energy, there's less heat. And then the reason Earth stays, stays so warm is because there is uh, an atmosphere and the atmosphere traps in all of the energy from the sun and uh, makes it less likely to, to go into space. Um, so space is actually about 298 degrees uh, below 
room temperature. Well, it's just a true zero, right? Because there's no molecules. Okay, so for so temperature is an abstract concept that we've created. It's based on the uh, oxygen or you know oxygen or gas or whatever is floating around you that is being uh, energized by uh, heat and light waves that are causing the molecules to move. So it's a it's an idea. It's not so much an actual. It's, it's a concept more than it is an actual thing. And so because there's no molecules in space, there's no way for them to reverberate from the heat and light energy. And so there's not any way to generate the, the idea of temperature. So pretty much it. The, the, so absolute zero, um, absolute zero is like the coldest anything can be. And space is only about three degrees Celsius warmer than absolute zero. So it's about 295 degrees colder than room temperature. Right. Which is so, there you go, Jacoby. There you go. Uh, some of the some of the replies. One guy said, uh, "Why does Arkansas have a silent S while Kansas gets free reign over the S being fully pronounced?" <laughs> that's Another so. That, that's a real good one. That, Another one real, was uh, mind bender. <laughs> yeah. Another one from uh, Paul Abbott was. Could the moon just be an old sun burnt out, but still able to give a little bit of light still? <laughs> Very astute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Why are they called hot pockets if they're sold frozen? Nothing but lies out <laughs> here, Jacoby. <laughs> there's some, there's some awesome, awesome responses. Checkmate libs. That's good. That's why we love Twitter. Yeah. So owning the libs, Jacoby Brissett <laughs> out here owning the libs. <laughs> I hope the robots make a list and they kill you I'm guys. Know, the list. I'm sure they are. I'm not. I'm not. I will be the slave that is like, oh, you need my help? Yes, sir, master. We get so off topic so fast. Oh, you, because you, you, were, you were literally supposed to start the intro immediately and you didn't. So we had to make for awkward conversation. Yeah. Like we're still doing currently. I, I, I don't think it's that awkward. I think it's pretty important. Yeah. I wouldn't I start the podcast like this, but I mean, talking about robots and slavery all being right around the corner, that's valid. It's I'm okay. more of a guy that wants to go straight into the analysis. And you guys always just want to like goof off with dumb robot talk. Yeah, you and, know what? It's fun if we just put it at the end. But it's we already did that part of the show earlier. That's why I had to More. make Craig leave and then come back. Well, it's a good thing Rich is such an expert editor. Yeah, so I edit out every bad thing say. <laughs> I edit out all our bad takes. So all my takes are, are out? Have you ever even listened to it? You don't say anything on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I like hopping on and uh fueling ben you know i really yeah. just want all i all i really want is like ben to get fired up about hating robots because i i don't like them but i know ben yeah. really hates them i don't well, get why you guys hate the robots so much because have you ever seen any like robot movie oh have you ever seen a movie before <laughs> what's it was uh i am mother uh that, that was a good one yeah that was freaking Creepy. That was crazy. Have you seen that's Just Mo- a Mother? Like it, the scary kind of. Yeah, that was. That's weird. what it was. No, there's two different movies. Not the one. Mother was a one robot was with, movie. 
yeah, I've seen that one, but I've, I was also also talking about Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I think it's mother. It's with um, what's his name that plays in? Oh, it's not three ten to Yuma. It's on. It's Hunger Games. No, it's I. I know that Jennifer Lawrence is Hunger Games. Thanks. It's the other guy that's uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. <laughs> It's not for like I'm not I can't look it up because I'm a lark typing. He's a, got a, a European name. Anyways, I'll look it up on my phone because it won't make as much noise. Oh, okay. Well, so anyways, the premise of Mother is this uh, robot AI thinks that they're going to save humanity by exterminating all of humanity and then rebuilding it from the ground up because humanity has obviously become, you know, too broken or not good enough. And so and the only way to restore it is to destroy everything. And you start the movie from this apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world where the robot has already, you know, taken over and done everything. So I, it's, a, it's, it's as inevitable as it gets that when we make AI and we proceed with all this stuff, that it will eventually try to outsmart us and then overrun us. And, you know, that there's plenty to be afraid of. Uh, I think that's totally valid, and I'm 100% serious as well. Yeah, because you see, like, humans will always have flaws, and any, any like, AI is going to see that, and they're going to be like, oh, we just got to get rid of all the people with flaws, and then continue to make people, and then exterminate them if they're not perfect. Like, we need to get these people as close to perfect as possible, and then they're just going to kill everybody, because everybody screwed up, and then they're just, that's exactly what happened in Mother. Yeah, and that, you know, there's going to be gene editing and all this stuff. And so, but gene know. editing is what I'm more concerned about. Than we talk about this crap. that for a second. That's it's nuts how you can go in now, and like I'm sure it costs a buttload of money, but it's it's nuts how you can go in now and be and say stuff like, oh yeah, I want blue eyes or blonde hair. I want this. I want these jeans. I want these jeans, and you can just pick what you want for your kids. Yep. How much money do you think that costs? Uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's probably like. I think back. Two hundred k. I think back whenever they were just doing genders, it was uh, thirty thousand. What? You could pay thirty thousand dollars? I'll bet that like all your child's gender. Yeah. I'll bet there were prints. I don't know what you call it in twenty nineteen. I'll bet there were like, like people in uh certain royal families that that would do that to make sure they had a son. Is it? I don't, is it Ben? Yeah. Is it? A, no, is it it's an not an exaggeration. It's absolutely an exaggeration. I've cut out so many things that you said, Brooks, that I'm like, this there's so many. Everything that I say should be cut out of this podcast. Like 99. Hopefully, <laughs> me and Ben. What if you guys just started recording and I was on the podcast, but everything I said just got completely edited out? Be a lot of blank space. That'd be really funny. Uh, April Fool's joke for, for us. <laughs> you. I'm in complete control and I just edit like your we, we record on your birthday and I just edit everything you out everything you say out. That's how uh that's, that's how, how the AI, AI feels. That's <laughs> how the AI is gonna work. <laughs> ben yeah. and I are on the same page. Yeah. Well but I mean also there's definitely real life human clones out there right now. So I think I mean, China. China's been doing it for a while. Yeah, they've been doing it for a while. So like that whole we're already there. Right. It's totally All illegal. Movies, we're, we're already there. According to the UN um, resolution, it's not legal. So Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's if not legal. We could legal, prove it. Do, so. Have you guys read the responses to Jacoby Brissett's tweet, by the way? 
Tell the well, you can't get into it unless you're gonna introduce. This is this. gonna go at the end. This is gonna go at the end. I know, but you gotta so, say it's like because the space we'll it's our space fact. fact. Yeah, we'll do our space fact. But, but it, it is the space fact. Right, but the but, space fact is gonna go before this, so they'll have already heard the space fact. Space fact. But this is the space fact. No, no, no. this is the outro. I get. Why wouldn't you just ask the question first and then give the space fact? That seems like it makes a lot more sense. So what I figured we were doing right now is recording the outro and just talking, and then we we're going to get into the actual show. We are so, doing that. Yeah. Okay. So if so, we're going to record the space fact later, and then well, why don't we just do it now? That's, that's kind of fact is going to go in front of the outro, which we're recording now. We're just doing it in backwards order. You guys both know. It makes perfect sense. You guys both know the question, right? All right, we'll do the space fact now. You ready? Yeah. You got, who, do either one of you want to do it? No, I just want to hear the space fact. Oh, all right. It's pretty much the only reason I'm on this podcast is to listen to space, space facts. Fact. So. Yes. 